where we empower you to make evidence-based, sustainable, and transformative changes for your health, leading to a more vibrant and fulfilling life. I'm your host, Abby Sacier, a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and master's graduate from Columbia University. I believe that we can't make lasting or meaningful change single-handedly. So I'm so happy that you're here so that together you can see that a diet-free, sustainable, healthy lifestyle is possible, and you can leverage that to live a better life. And remember my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give you general information and it's not meant to substitute or replace medical advice, a diagnosis, or service treatment. Y'all, I think I made the internet a little mad this week. I think I broke the internet. Yikes. So I um, was just in Denver this past weekend for this conference for dietitians called Fancy, uh, which is like the food and nutrition like related expo. And it was so fun to be around so many dietitians and I got to meet so many food brands and I'm really excited to bring some of those partnerships to the show because there are some that are so, so aligning with what we talk about here about at Be About Being Better. But so I'm excited for those new things to be in the works. And but I just got back and I was so tired and I was like, I don't really feel like posting content. I'm in a different time zone. I'm trying to unpack like I am just absolutely exhausted. But I was like, let me just post one piece of content today. Let me if I hadn't really posted that much while I was away for this conference. And y'all, the one post, especially on TikTok, you know, it performed pretty well on Instagram, but on TikTok, it's still, still going. People are still fired up in the comments. I really made the internet mad. So I don't know if you saw my post, we'll definitely link it up in the show notes. But my post was things that I've said as a registered dietitian that have made people on the internet mad. And y'all, I definitely made the internet mad. I think my philosophies for health and helping people heal their relationship with food is very counter culture and it goes against the grain. It goes against what has been reinforced in our lives. And and I understand that. I know that this can be difficult for people to kind of grasp onto and it makes us really challenge and question what is ingrained in our society and what has been ingrained in us growing up. So it's just interesting to see people <laughs> fighting in the comments and so definitely check it out on TikTok because people are getting getting pretty feisty. But some of the things that I said was a number one, you need to be eating more than 1200 calories a day because that is the amount of calories that is equivalent to what a toddler needs. When a toddler is growing up and they're developing, they're doing that at such a fast rate. They need a lot of calories. And as an adult, it's just too few for what we actually need. Even if you are like, five foot nothing. Like you still need more than 1200 calories a day to keep your metabolism going. And just think about all the things that your body does without you even having to get out of bed in the day. Like if you just laid in bed all day and didn't move, because whenever we move, we're, we're burning calories. Like I burn a lot of calories because I'm always talking with my hands so much. So no, but just think about it. if you laid in bed all day, your brain would still be going, your heart would still be pumping, your lungs would still be going, your digestive tract would still be going. All of these things are still working and your body needs fuel just to keep you at a baseline. Then once you start getting up, walking around, cleaning, getting ready for the day, going to work, even if you have a sedentary job, 
you're still moving your body and your body needs energy for that. And then put a workout on top of it. It's like, we need more than 1200 calories. So people got really mad at that. Then I said, and this is definitely part of a larger conversation, which we've talked about on the show before, but we definitely need to keep talking about it more because it is very nuanced. But I said in my post that weight does not equate to health. And you can't assume someone's health status just by looking at them. And this post out of all the ones in the carousel, this probably got the most hate or the most comments that are disagreeing with that because people say, oh, like I can look at someone and how they look. And if they're overweight, then I can assume that they're unhealthy. Actually, you can't. You actually cannot because weight is not a behavior and you can't know what someone does during their day or how they eat or how they move their body just based on how they look. And if you are, then you are making assumptions based on based on their weight. Like, oh, if they weigh this much, then that must mean, y'all, I will be honest, I have coached clients that are 300, 350 pounds that have perfect blood work. They have no chronic health conditions. They move their body in a way that feels good several times a week. They grocery shop, they meal prep, they have nutrient-dense meals, they're fueling themselves adequately, they meditate, they journal in the mornings, they're do- they drink enough water, they get adequate, they're doing all these things, they're doing the healthy behaviors, but you would never know that or just by looking at them. So you're making assumptions based on them and, and maybe being a little, it's not necessarily our fault because it's ingrained in our society, but it is our responsibility to question and challenge some of these beliefs. And with that, I have clients that are in a smaller body. And I know I've talked about this on the show, that their blood work is all out of whack. Their thyroid, the hormones are all out of whack and they have high cholesterol and they don't fuel themselves adequately. They're skipping meals, having too much caffeine, cortisol's through the roof. Maybe they're not getting a period. Like These are all signs that we're not fueling ourselves well enough and that our health is out of balance, but they might be in a smaller body. So you might see them walking down the street and assume that they are a healthy person because of their size. But if you actually look at their behaviors and examine what they're doing, you'll say, oh, wow, like they, they do have some opportunities for growth when it, when it comes to their health. And they may actually have a very disordered relationship with food. So yeah, like we just can't assume like weight does not automatically mean health. And our weight is multifactorial. There's a lot of things that factor into what our weight is. So we just, we can't assume anything and this is kind of a radical concept, so we'll keep talking about it on the show, and I want to be planting seed, but that was definitely one in, in one carousel post in, in my big post about this that definitely broke the internet. The next was about corn. I think a lot of people demonize corn, but I said corn is okay to have. Corn has folate. It has magnesium, vitamin C, fiber, and because of the fiber content, that's actually going to promote a balanced blood sugar. You're not going to have such a big insulin spike. It's not the equivalent. Like, yes, it's a carb, but it's a starchy carb. So it's not going to send your blood sugar through the roof like a, like a candy bar would. It actually is helping to balance it. And because of the vitamin C content, vitamin C is an antioxidant. That means it's anti-inflammatory. So people say that corn is very inflammatory. It's like, well, corn, because of the vitamin C content, can actually help to decrease inflammation. And because of the fiber and the vitamin C and just, you know, the, the magnesium, all of these things are helping to improve overall gut health. And with, we need folate and, and folic acid. And if you 
are lacking in folate or folic acid in your diet. I think we talked about this on the episode with Amanda Wolstead about aligning your menstrual cycle to like your or your healthy habits to in you, this sorry when you align your life to your menstrual cycle we talked about it in that episode that you need folate or else you're more at risk for having your baby have neural tube defects because you need folate for all of the cell division that's going on so if you're lacking that so early on in pregnancy like your baby could already have a deformity or one of these neural tube defects before you even know that you're pregnant so we really can't be deficient in folate so it's important to have corn and they've actually fortified a lot of our bread products and cereals with folate to make sure that we're getting that in. But say if you know processed foods are being demonized, like they are in society, so you stop having white bread or wheat bread and you stop having cereals because you're nervous to have that because there's so much sugar in it, then you might not be getting enough folate that you need. And then say you get pregnant, like you are more at risk for a neural tube defect. And the conference that I went to for dietitians this past week, and they talked about that, they're like, because of this food shaming and because of this demonization of food, we are actually seeing a higher percentage of babies that are being born with these neural tube defects because people aren't getting enough folate because they're staying away from the processed foods that we have fortified with folate specifically for this reason. So we did see a decrease in neural tube defects, but now they are starting to come back and women, our babies are like 30% likely now to have a neural tube defect. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's a huge number when neural tube defects were almost obsolete. One example of a neural tube defect is like spina bifida. So yeah, that wasn't very common. Well, it was very common. Then it wasn't once we fortified the the food system to add more folate into our day-to-day ingredients. But because people are avoiding those processed foods because there's so much fear mongering in society and so much food shaming in our diet culture society, now spina bifida and other neural tube defects like that are becoming more and more prevalent. So it's just really scary. So just know like you don't have to eat cereal to get folate in, but you, especially as women, need to be either supplementing or very intentional about getting enough folate in. Just It's good for your body overall, but if you're family planning in any capacity, you need to do that before you actually get pregnant and just always be at the appropriate level. So another way to get that in is through corn. So we shouldn't demonize corn. Oh, this one set people off. Oh my goodness. I said, fruit doesn't have too much sugar. Eating fruit is in fact healthier than putting butter in your coffee. It has vitamins and minerals and fiber that is essential to us. So everyone in the comments was like, wait, who's putting butter in their coffee? What? Ew, gross. And the keto people are putting butter in their coffee. I thought everyone kind of knew that, but I guess not. So definitely check out episode three of the Be About Being Better podcast. We'll link it up in the show notes where I talk about why keto is a no for me. I think it was episode three, but we'll definitely link it up in the show notes below our keto episode so that you can hear like the research and like why the ketogenic diet is dangerous and not sustainable. And I actually read some comments that I've gotten from people on TikTok that the negative effects that they've had based on the keto diet. So yeah. And People, they're so quick when they're on the keto diet, which is a very high fat diet, low carb diet. They are so quick to put butter in their coffee, but they say that fruit has too much sugar and fruit is unhealthy and it has too much sugar in it to eat an apple. When eating an apple is not the same as eating like a candy bar, which is totally fine to eat a candy bar. But when people equate those two things and they're like, oh, they're both carbs, they're both sugar. It's like, oh no, it's, it's totally different. An apple has vitamins and minerals and fiber in it. It's very nutrient dense for you and, and essential. I also said that going keto and cutting carbs won't solve your problems. Any weight that you lose 
will be regained and your sugar cravings and eating habits will probably get worse because we know that these diets just aren't sustainable. It's impossible to like cut carbs for the rest of your life. And, and also, what kind of life is that? What kind of social life is that? I know so many people that have gone keto that are very socially isolated and they get frustrated, partly because they're probably hangry, but also because they feel like they can't integrate well into So definitely listen to our keto episode because you will, will learn a lot about that and just in general why diets don't work. I also said, and this also kind of broke the internet and was kind of controversial, but I said that oats are not toxic and they are filled with fiber and iron and vitamins and minerals, and they help to lower LDL or quote unquote bad cholesterol because they're soluble fiber. So oats become almost gelatinous and jelly sticky when you digest them. And then it goes through your GI tract and it collects all of the quote unquote bad cholesterol and you excrete it out. So it's very, very good for you. So like oats, rolled oats are very good for you. Cheerios do the same thing. Those are our soluble fibers. So oats are not bad. Please eat oats. Please do. And I also said that it's easier to eat a burger if you're craving that rather than forcing yourself to order the salad because you'll eventually compensate from that lack of satisfaction. And I definitely feel this. I just actually got back from a lunch with one of my church friends and I ordered the burger and she ordered a salad. And I said that to her. I was like, look, I'm really trying to live my life according to the phases of my menstrual cycle. I'm in menstrual phase right now and I'm really craving a burger. I know that my body needs iron because I'm losing a lot of blood right now because I'm literally on my period. And she's like, oh, that's so interesting. I said, yeah. And also at this time, I just know I'm craving something warm and hearty and homey and cheesy. And that's what my body's calling for right now. And I ate slowly and it, it was so satisfying, but she ordered a salad. And she's like, well, I just feel like something that is cold and crisp and light. And I'm like, that does not seem appetizing to me right now. But if I ordered that, and I forced myself to eat it, even though it wasn't something that I was craving, not the flavor profile that my body was really calling for. And honestly, not the nutrients that I was ca calling for. Like, especially with our periods, like we have an episode on this too, about what your cravings mean. Like if you're craving meat during your period, your body is probably looking for more iron. So if I had just had this salad with chicken, that wouldn't have satisfied me. My body would still be calling for that. And I, that meal wouldn't be satisfying to me. So. I would probably compensate for it later. So it's important to eat what, eat what you're actually craving and to not be judgmental towards your cravings, but see it as an opportunity to ask why you might be having that craving and to just be curious about it versus being judgmental. And we'll get more into that in the, in the actual crux of our episode today. And then I also said that the mental and emotional toll from food guilt and anxiety will do more harm to your body than just eating a cookie. And that also made people mad too on the internet. But yeah, I really think that we underestimate the, the toll that stress has on our body and how much us worrying about food and overthinking our choices, how much stress that actually does cause on our bodies and how that negatively impacts digestion. Like if you're in fight or flight, if you're in a stress state, you're not secreting enough digestive enzymes or enough stomach acid to properly digest your food. And so whatever you're eating, and if you're eating a piece of spinach, you're not going to digest that as well. So you might be choosing, quote unquote, the healthier thing or the more nutrient dense thing. But if you're not absorbing those nutrients because you're eating in such a stressed state, and if you're just going to overcompensate later by eating something else because you didn't satisfy the craving in the moment that you had, like it's, it's counterproductive. And I think it's actually healthier to just eat the one cookie, satisfy that and move on than to just be denying that and having so much food related anxiety and stress. So just just something to think about and deck out the post. There's a couple other ones that I posted, but 
but I want to get into the crux of our episode today. So definitely check out that post. We'll link it up in the show notes and comment, but comment. Let me know what you think about some of these things and what your questions are, because I'd love to dive deeper into this and, and be able to answer your questions there. I really want to talk about my story with exercise today and how I have healed from that. And I talked about it on a previous episode recently, but since passing my registered dietitian exam and coming out of my internship, I've really struggled with getting back in a good exercise routine. And now I feel like I don't really struggle anymore. I realized I was like, oh, like I don't have a problem with consistency with exercise. I was putting too much pressure on myself to be too regimented and I wasn't intuitively moving my body in a way that feels good. So I actually needed to be less regimented open myself up to different types of movement. And now I am more consistent because I'm like, oh, there's so many ways I can move my body. But when I went in with an expectation, exercise had to look like this. It had to be this long. I had to sweat this much. Like I started putting those parameters on it again. And then it made me more resistant to it. And I was actually not as consistent with exercise. So some of you might know this, but not all of you, but I grew up as a dancer. I was trained in classical ballet. I've been doing that for over 20 years. And I love ballet. I love dance. I love how, and it's funny because dancers can literally do cardio for two hours, but we like can't run a mile. Like the cardio is just so different. I think because dance is so expressive that we could be doing so much cardio for hours because we're also expressing ourselves and moving our bodies in different ways and different combinations. And we also get some breaks in there. But if I'm just running straight on a treadmill, that is literally the most boring thing I could absolutely do. So I can't do that. Like when it comes to running on a treadmill, I have no endurance, no stamina, but then I can dance, jump around for two hours, make it make sense. That, that is wellness math, dancer math. I feel like you know, there's a girl math, boy math, all, you know, all over the internet right now, but there's also dancer math too. So definitely check that out if you're a dancer, just search on TikTok dancer math and you will get, you'll get a kick out of that. But yeah, so I grew up as a dancer. And I actually went to college for dance and I planned my whole college search around, you know, which ballet company would be best for me to go to. And I ended up picking a school in Pennsylvania that had a very strong dance program, was affiliated with a ballet company and also was liberal arts. So I had the opportunity to take science classes too, because I, I did like science as well. And I'm so grateful that I did that because I ended up after the first semester switching my major to neuroscience, which is a big switch there, but I'll get into why. So when I first got to college, or maybe uh, when I was in high school, I was dancing like 30, 40 hours a week. I mean, I was getting good grades in school, but you know, enough to like get by. I don't think I was like an outstanding student in high school. I did okay, you know, enough to, to get by, but I really started focusing on my grades and getting better grades in college and then even more so in my master's program. So I started off as kind of like an average student, but it was because dance was so my focus. I was dancing 30, 40 hours a week. I mean, that, that was like my full-time job. I would be doing homework during my lunch breaks, in the morning, like on the way to school. I would be doing homework in class. Like if there was a worksheet, I could be doing in class. Like I didn't wait until later. I was doing it right then because I knew as soon as I left school, I was going to dance and I was going to be a dance for four or five hours after school, like every, every single day, even on the weekends too. Like it was, it was a lot. It really was a full-time job. So when I got to college, I wanted to continue exercising at that same level at that same rate. And you know, when you go to college, there's so much that changes. I was also very afraid of gaining weight. I had heard about the freshman 15 and I said, that's not going to be me. But boy, was I wrong. But at that, I said, and I declared, this is not going to be me. I'm going to do everything in my power to not gain weight. And I think part of that was there's so much change that comes with going to college. I wanted to keep some things the same, but that declaration, that that fear of change, that fear of weight gain made me very rigid 
And it led to a very disordered relationship with exercise. So my first semester of college, I was in dance classes. I was in rehearsals. And I would go to the gym before those, after those. I'd walk everywhere I could on campus. I would, in between my school classes, I would go back to my dorm and do cardio, abs, jumping jacks, take the stairs whenever I could. Like I was actually psycho and I was trying to exercise 30 or 40 hours a week and it was it was such a toll on my body and it took a toll on my um, social life as well like I just felt so isolated it's like oh I always got to go to the gym or I always got to go work out or I got to go back to my dorm and get a couple you know ab circuits in before I go to this next class versus walking with friends to go to class so it was I felt a little isolated at first which I know when you start off in college you do feel a little awkward because you don't have that many friends yet and you're just getting started but I especially felt very isolated and a lot of pressure to not gain weight. And so I was leaving one of my dance classes one time. and It was like a 10-minute walk back to my dorm, and I just started having horrible chest pain. I mean, I couldn't breathe. And if you are involved in the medical community at all, like, you know, they take chest pain very seriously. Chest pain is not something to joke with. So I ended up having to go to the hospital. It was it was really bad. They ran all these tests on me. They confirmed that you're not having a heart attack, but you have strained all of your intercostal muscles. All of the muscles in between my ribs became sore. Like I was overusing them. So I had strained all of the muscles in between my ribs from literally breathing too much. Like when you exercise, obviously your heart rate goes up. You're like, I'm like you're breathing more. So that expands your chest. Like I was literally expanding my chest too much and overusing the muscles in between my ribs. And they're like, girl, you need to take a break from exercise. Like you are actually psycho right now. So I needed to stop you know, being in the dance program. I needed to switch my major and needed to take a step back from exercise. I really was overdoing it. And that was really hard for me to, to reconcile because I had such a fear of weight gain. But kind of having to force myself to take a step back from exercise, I was allowed, I allowed myself or it allowed me to dive into other aspects of the college life. I was able to, you know, join a sorority and make new friends and I switched my major so I felt like I was in more interesting classes and I started going to the cafeteria and like enjoying the food. So much so like if you knew me in college, I would take Tupperware on the chicken parm days. I love chicken parm and I would like take some home. Like I was really diving into the college life and yeah, at that point I did gain the freshman 15, but I was so much happier. And I was actually feeling really good because I was feeling good socially and I was in other clubs and I wasn't overtaxing my body. And I was starting to navigate a healthier relationship with food and a healthier relationship with exercise, starting to slowly work it back in. And I think I've told this story on the podcast, but that's when I started getting in a relationship and my ex, you know, he sat me down and he said, like, I'm very concerned about your health. Like, this is when I was at like an all-time high. Like, I had a disordered relationship with exercise. And now I'm like enjoying the college life and I was having fun. And then he sits me down so intentionally. Like, he planned this out. This is premeditated. And he was like, you know, I'm like really concerned about you. And like, you've gained weight. And, you know, especially in like your legs and your thighs and your butt. Like, it's really embarrassing for me. And so I think you need to start exercising again. You need to lose some weight. Like, take care of yourself. And I could tell he was, his intention was to come at it through, like, I'm concerned about your health. Like, I care about you. But y'all, when people say negative things about your body, I need you to know, because I know so many of you have been in this situation where someone has made a comment about your body. I need you to hear this. When someone says something negative about your body, it has nothing to do with you. 
and it has everything to do with them and what's being triggered in them. It has nothing to do with you. So you need to put on that raincoat. This is an analogy that my brother gave me one time. You need to put on a raincoat and you need to let that wash off. You cannot internalize that. You cannot take that personally. You need to realize that hurt people hurt people. So that person is hurting and they're triggered in some way or they're threatened by you or I don't know, there's something, something wrong with them. Nothing wrong with you. And it's really unfortunate that he said that to me. And yet I wish y'all that I like could say that I slapped him and I broke up with him in that moment. And yo, no one's going to talk to me like that. But I ended up dating him for another five years. Like my self-worth was in the basement, through the floor. Like I like did not value myself. And I found so much of my self-worth in external things and other people, like what other people thought about me. And maybe that comes from my dance background, but that conversation that he had with me also reinforced a lot of those things. And it just sent me down a negative spiral. And I knew that I needed to be careful with the exercise stuff. So then I just started restricting more nutrition and diving into diets. And so that really set me down a negative, negative spiral. Yeah, that was a, re a really, really hard time. But I've healed a lot from that. Intuitive eating has helped with that. Time has also helped with that. Getting in community has helped with that. I, we can't do life alone and we're really meant. That's why I love our Better Together program. Our class just launched at the beginning of October and we've had a couple of weeks now in the program. It's fabulous. It's so amazing to see like-minded people that are looking for this community that is craving a non-diet health at every size approach because they're not getting that at home. They're not getting that in their friend group. So it's nice to be in a community with people that just get it, especially as we approach the holidays and we're going to be around difficult family members. We're definitely going to do an episode where I talk about dealing with difficult family members and answering some. I've already gotten some questions about the holidays, so I will be answering those in a, an episode coming up soon because I want to address your questions and have you start to internalize and embody some of these things that I'll talk about for advice before you go home for the holidays. So I want to give you some time. So don't worry, we'll be doing that too. But if you realize like, oh, wow, like, you could really use community that is like-minded and more support and accountability and just a place to vent where people get it. Our Better Together program is, is really for you. It's our only group coaching program right now. And because of the response from the post that I was talking about at the beginning of this episode about all the things that I've said as a registered dietitian that have made people mad, there has been, yeah, I, there were people that were mad, but there has been such an outcry of, wow, this post made me cry. I needed to hear this. Like, I, I need help healing my relationship with food, we are actually launching another round of our group. We got a couple spots open, so definitely go ahead and grab those. And if you heard about the program with our last launch, with the class that started in October, um, I'm actually offering clarity calls now. So in the show notes, we'll have the landing page that gives information about the program. If you're not sure about the program or if you are sure, but you're just nervous about the price, book a clarity call with me and, and let's talk one-on-one -on -one about your specific goals and what you're working through so that, so that I can help you and make that decision and talk about the program in more detail and see if it makes sense for you. But yeah, I just, getting in community, being like-minded and leaning into a non-diet approach really helped me heal from that very disordered relationship with exercise that I had and obviously disordered relationship with food too, they really, really go hand in hand. And it's really great to be able to say now like, wow, I don't feel a need to, like I just ate a whole burger with a full on bun and fries and I don't feel a need to like work out extra or eat less tomorrow. And I used to. So if that's you, you probably have an opportunity for healing in this area. And I want to encourage you that our Better Together program is a safe place to be able to do that and explore that. And it's nice to be able to have healed from that and healing is possible. A couple of questions I want you to ask yourself this week 
as you approach movement and exercise. I want you to ask yourself, what new movement could you explore this week? Because if you just have a one-track mind, this is the only way that I can exercise and I have to, it has to be this long and it has to be in this setting and I have to sweat this much, you are going to limit yourself from getting the amount of movement in that that you need and you are always going to be inconsistent with exercise. Maybe you'll be consistent for a short period of time, but eventually you will quote unquote fall off the wagon and not be consistent. So it's really, really important that you are choosing different types of movement so that it opens your mind up to a different ways that you can move your body and you're not being so strict and regimented so that you can show up for yourself still and show up for movement, meeting your body where you are. Because we're going to have different energy levels. And we know that based on our cycle, just based on what we're going through, how much sleep we've gotten, traveling and whirling. We had different seasons. You're not always going to show up with so much energy, but you can show up and move your body. Like you might not be up for a full hit workout, but could you go for a walk? Could you do yoga? Could you do a 60 second plank? Could you dance in your apartment? So if you open yourself up and allow those to be types of movement that you engage in, you're going to be more likely to engage in that. And that will make you more consistent with moving your body because you're being more flexible with yourself. The more regimented and strict you are, the more inconsistent you're going to be in the long run. So ask yourself, what new movement could you explore this week? Then I want you to set the intention and then release to the outcome. So say, okay, I'm going to set the intention. I'm going to exercise in the morning or this, I'm going to do a yoga video when I get home from work or I'm going to do a Pilates thing or go to a classic, set the intention, but then release to the outcome. Set the intention. I'm going to plan to do this, but then check in with yourself. Is this what my body is still craving? Do I want to be at the gym this long? How is this feeling? Can I lift heavier weights or do I need to back off? So check in with yourself and modify the exercise or kind of whatever you're doing, like the bout of exercise, the movement that you're doing, modify that to meet your body where you are because exercise should be life-giving. It should give you more energy. However, if you are like plowing through and like just kind of white knuckling your way through it, you are going to overexhaust your body and it's going to be counterproductive. It should give you more energy on the other end. And if you are just so tired, so depleted at the end of your workout, and like we all kind of know that runner's high, like, yes, exercise is taxing. But if you're more exhausted than when you first started and you don't experience that kind of like runner's high, like or those exercise endorphins afterward, and you don't have like an extra pep in your step, then you might have done too much or not the right movement for what your body was calling for that day. So set the intention for movement, but then release the outcome and be willing to change up what you do, how much you do, how long you're exercising for based on what your body's calling for. And then I need you to ask yourself, like, why am I feeling this way? And get more curious versus judging and shaming yourself. Like, oh, I should be stronger than this. Oh, I should have exercised longer. Like, why am I so lazy? Like, don't judge yourself. Go in with the, ask yourself why. I mean, I had, you know, lack of sleep last night or it's a busy week or I'm on my period or I'm about to get my period. Like, get curious about why you might be lower energy and then find movement or engage in rest. That is also an option to meet yourself where you are. These are some beginner tips that have really helped me heal my relationship with exercise. And y'all know now that I've been through the ringer when it comes to movement. So I hope that this is helpful for you too. And I will see y'all in the next episode. And P.S., if you have any questions about the holidays, things that you're already nervous about, send me a DM on Instagram because we will be answering uh, questions from y'all about how to survive the holidays in a healthy way coming up. See you soon. Thank you.
Hey y'all, thanks again for listening to the Be About Being Better podcast. I so appreciate you. If this episode made you laugh, smile, think about yourself or your life differently, in any way making your life better, I empower you to share the show with three people who, just like you, need to hear this message and have this type of transformation in their lives. I personally read all the reviews of the show and see the Instagram story shares and honestly gives me so much joy to see that our mission is making people's lives better and the reviews really do help in increasing our impact so thank you so much for taking the time to do that if you need personalized support with anything discussed in today's episode or need help creating a sustainable diet-free lifestyle take my quiz it's linked below in the show notes and that quiz will help you see which one of our coaching programs is right for you thank you so much again for listening and here's to being about being better